This is Keith Price's Curtain Call. This is Keith Price, and welcome to another edition of Keith Price's Curtain Call. And we are here in our fabulous hangar studios in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, living up the <laughs> Times Square dream, doing theater, living the dream, darlings. And you know what's so fabulous is that every now and then you find these little pocket surprises of performances that are going on in the city that, you know, I know that we're all focused a lot on the big Broadway, but there's a lot of stuff that's happening off Broadway that has the opportunity to have the conversations and discussions that you can't have necessarily on a big main commercial Broadway stage. And I am now sitting with get you ready. Wait, let me just wait, let me sit back for these titles, honey. Let me just give it to you. Hold on. Emmy Award winning. How about that, right? Was that, that good? Uh, yes. Emmy Award winning. <laughs> golden, golden nominated. You, you've, this woman, I, I have, I'm very excited to have Monica Piper here with me in the studios. We're talking with her about her brand new show that's at New World Stages, currently running on a nice little adorable run list right through the holidays. Got Not That Jewish. How about that? Hi, Monica. How are you doing, baby? I'm, doing, I'm so excited to be here. I, this is I really am. People say that all the time, but I really am because this was a block from where I live, so <laughs> I couldn't be happier. <laughs> oh, and, and it's nice to be with I Keith. Still, it's I nice still, to be with you, too. That's great, but, but you're a block away, and that makes this divine. <laughs> you are so geographically I desirable. I love that. You know what, though? I have a friend that used to say, never leave the zip code for love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from L.A. where everything is the car. Oh, you my know? God. Even my dog. My dog's a retriever, but he's from L.A. You know, get the ball. We're not taking the car. <laughs> That's my dog. I love it. Monica Piper. But this is great. So your show, Not That Jewish. I got to watch it last night, and I was in preparation for this conversation that I knew we were going to have today. And it was very fun for me because I enjoy seeing like slices of life that I don't necessarily have a deeper connection to or close connection to. However, in this particular case, you know, my partner is Jewish. And so there were moments because we were both there last night. And so there was moments that I could tell that he was getting something just a little deeper in different places that I couldn't get. And it was just making me so crazy because I was like, I know that's really funny. <laughs> that's funny, but it's supposed to be really funny if you really know. And I felt so, well, I, I felt a little out of the loop. However, the best part is, is that we were both laughing at the same time about the same thing. But oh, you know what I'm so saying? You know? but, but, but understand, though, that there is a lot in this show. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be Jewish at all to love this show. You you have no. to be human. <laughs> I mean, really. And you appear to be human. Somewhat human. So, um, no, but it deals with... So many people think, oh, it's a Jewish show. And, right. But it's not. It's really, you know, it's it begins... I mean, th there is a running theme about questioning, for me, what it means to be Jewish, because I was told when I was seven years old by my little seven-year-old friend, you're not that Jewish, because you didn't go to temple, you know, and so I spend my life trying to figure out if w what it means to be Jewish, and then when I have a son... I don't. It seems extremely important for me to raise a Jewish man, mm -hmm. even though we're not very Jewish. But but the show itself really deals with family. 
if you know the love of a family, right. funny parents. Um, it deals with um, loss of a family member, which I think a lot of people can relate well, to. Well, you know, as we continue having this conversation, there were some moments in your story that I instantly identified with. Instantly identified with, but no, I just continue because I just well, I didn't want to stop. But I'm curious flow, to but. see. Well, that's all right. Well, because some people come up to me all the time after the show. Oh God, when you talked about adoption, I so connected because I'm adopted, or I gave up a child for adoption, mm -hmm. or I I just met my birth mother, or something like that. And that's just one of the little themes. Right. But it also deals with all those hilarious topics, divorce, <laughs> Alzheimer's, <laughs> death, cancer. I mean, it really does. The, really, the, the big four. The, the really funny, <laughs> funny stuff. But, but it really does show you that, that there is a way to find the funny in these things. And, and everybody seems to relate to something. And yeah. you do not have to be Jewish Absolutely. to relate to the overall message of the show, which is it doesn't matter. You know, when my son turns 18, he says, you know I'm not really Jewish, right? And I go, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, I joined a temple for you. <laughs> I, I got I, in deep, man. Do you have any idea how much a bar mitzvah costs? So, um, but anyway, he tells me he's not Jewish after I make a, you know, a, a very decided uh, moving decision to raise a Jewish man and... He tells me because uh, his birth mother isn't Jewish, mm -hmm. and therefore he's not Jewish, because you know that's how you're supposed supposedly right. tell if you're Jew if you're born to a Jewish woman then you're Jewish. So this presents a crisis for me until he, uh, when he turns eighteen, his birth mother contacts him, and they start speaking on the phone. And then she sends me a letter telling me that she thank to thank me because I raised such a beautiful young man. And I start thinking about what she said, and I started realizing all the things that he is. He's mm -hmm. compassionate, he's tolerant, he's accepting, he's funny as hell. Which and, is a family trait. Which is a family trait that you see. Another in thing that I identify with, but you go. It's just. It's very fascinating to me. Continue. I'm sorry. Well, but just that the, you know, the, uh, to come to the realization at the end, who cares if, you know, I can't get all bent out of shape if he doesn't think he's Jewish, as long as he he's I've raised a a really good man. Really good human being. So, and my grandmother very early on when I'm like seven years old says what's important is that you got a jewish heart so <laughs> and then she said a bunch of other funny things <laughs> that you As can, grandmothers do that you can hear if you when you come to the show that's right to see not that jewish at the new world stages with uh it's been written and performed by monica piper um it's so interesting to me because you whenever these kinds of conversations come up about um the different identities and different uh, cultures, 
kind of finding themselves in the way of being presented on stage in one way, shape, or form, musical, play, conversations. And the idea that you use humor, which is, you know, I don't want to say it's a Jewish stereotype. No, <laughs> to, no. To no, kvetch, you know. Not at all. But, but what I love, though, Thank is, you for saying kvetch in one syllable. Thank you. Most of my non-Jewish friends cannot do that. See, I'm You're, having a hard time with the tuchus. That's stop kvetching, they say. Mm-hmm, no. But anyway... See, you learn. It's all of the cultural exchange. But, you know, what is, what's so fascinating to me is that when you said in the uh, conversation about yourself about not belonging to a congregation before, for many, many years before you decided later on, um, and, and I found that very fascinating, which I had to ask my partner, is that I didn't realize that when you're, you can call yourself being Jewish— and not necessarily belong have had had any experiences belonging to a temple. No, you. you I didn't know that. Well, so much of being Jewish is cultural. Yeah. And and not, you know, you you don't. So many of my friends um, are not observant, but yet they're very Jewish. You know, it. They 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 enjoy the breaking of the fast together mm-hmm. they enjoy doing the high holiday holidays yeah and stuff. well you know as i say in the yeah. play we didn't belong to a temple but on the high holy days my mother would make us dress up and stand in front of the apartment building so it looked like we just got home from temple. But <laughs> that's what she did. No, but with so much... I wish you could see my expression now because with two Jews, two Jews can be in a room and someone could say something really stupid uh-huh. and the two Jews can look at each other from across the room and go, mm. you know what I mean? Only, only it's a face. It's not it's a, a face. It's not a noise. But, but you know, but this, this is radio. Is this, but it's cultural though, because I think it's that cultural. that everyone has every culture, every group has their identifying moment. Because you know the the thing with whenever it's like the two black women that notice something, all they have to do is just go, mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's it. Exactly. And that's exactly. it. And that's it. That's the same exact, <laughs> you know exactly what they mean. And that's the same with two Jews that can mm-hmm. just be in a room mm-hmm. and Ugh. just give each other a look. Ugh. Do you believe this schmuck? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean all, to say that. You can say whatever you want, darling. It's Monica Piper with me here on The Curtain Call, and we're talking about her show, Not That Jewish currently with a nice wonderful run throughout the holidays for sure here at the New World Stage. Yeah, give Monica for Hanukkah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, so we were talking earlier, you know, Monica has a wonderful comedy history, a rich, rich comedy history that you've performed on and off the road. You've done all kinds of things. You've worked for all kinds of people. I was a stand-up for a long time. For a long time. And then at one point when you made the change to having to ground yourself because you decided that you were going to become a parent, which is a conundrum that even, you know, I was trying to explain to someone or trying to have it explained to me where I thought people would really gravitate towards this show. And it's something that, that is, if you were going to say that, well, this is a show about women. It's like, well, that's a choice that women deal with on a regular basis. So look, there's something there for you. But yeah. I think it's just the idea of having to it's make choices. It's not a show about women. Exactly. It's just that idea that I'm you have I'm a woman to... who happens to, you know, well, there, there are certain issues that that are... That, that that certainly women relate to, right? You know, being finding yourself reaching that age where you know, in my case, I spent almost all of my thirties 
with working. with this man mm-hmm. also working, yes, building my career, but also with this one man who I really thought was the love of mm-hmm. my life. And as you know from the yep. show, uh, it kills me because I really think it could have worked if only he'd been an entirely different person. <laughs> but um, but but the the reality is, is that I found myself at the when that relationship ended that I was, you know, pushing 40 and I didn't have a man and I lived in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which makes, yep. I mean, God. And, um, and, and I really was in a panic about, because throughout the show you see that, that I earnestly want a family. Right. When I get married to my first husband, I'm so excited about the idea of starting a family. Right. And then that, that didn't, didn't work. work. But then I became a comedian, and that took my time and, and, and just, you know. But then realizing that, that there is a way. A, a, and then I tried to get pregnant for a couple of years, and that didn't work. And, and, um, and a good friend said, do you want to be pregnant or do you want to be a mother? And that led me to adoption. And my God, I mean, it was the greatest question anyone ever asked me. Wow. Because it led me to this, and that led me to my son. And I can't imagine any other son. Having, well, you can't imagine having made this, made any other choice at this point. Now. I can't. Um, well, I can imagine going back and had a, had I had a, a husband and raised a family the the way I always thought Sorry. I would, but it didn't. It just didn't work out. And a lot of women, I think, face that that issue. Right. But that's just one of the well, issues. No, but that's what I'm, I mean. It's sort show. of like that. But there's there's something very tantamount about the whole idea that you come to a point in your life that you have to make certain decisions that will affect the way that your career is happening. And that's Absolute, everybody. everybody. That's everybody. You know? Exactly, everybody. And and um, and women are afraid. Um, it's very scary, the idea of doing this on your own. Yeah. I mean, I didn't plan on doing it completely all the way on my own. I just figured, uh, look, I've reached a certain point where I need to have my baby and then find our man. Right. I, I wouldn't want to hurry up. At first, I thought, oh, God, I need to hurry up and find somebody so I can have a kid. And that's so wrong. It's not fair to a relationship. It's not fair to a man Mm -hmm. to have that pressure. And, and And it's scary because I think a lot of some women do that, and they and in the long run, it's not the best thing for the child because... You didn't pick the right guy to do that with, you know. And wow. Well, so. you know, Monica Piper here with me on the curtain call, and we're talking about just life in general. You know, with her her piece, not that Jewish, that's at New World stages, and you know, I, I it's it's very to me. I find it very um, wow. I, I wanted to think about how I wanted to phrase this because I had it in my head of how I wanted to approach with you in the conversation because you're doing this is you know your world is comedy you come from the world of comedy that's 
you know, and that's something that never leaves you. Never. My father was the funniest man I ever knew. I love that. And when you... And my son is funny, too. So, well, so are you. So okay. there you go. You know, kind of keeps the line moving. Yeah. But, you know, when you're doing something like Not That Jewish, which is different than doing a stand-up set. Oh, it's so different. And having to to find this place of being Monica Piper in this particular mindset, you have to be there every every time you get on the stage. You have to be somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, I mean, I have to. How hard is that to balance now? Or how should I say, what are the challenges of balancing that against your natural comedic it's su- that's such a great question because for comedians you know when you're doing stand up you're kind of especially if you know when you're in a club and you want them to bring you back or you're doing a spot for tv you really should get a laugh every 10 seconds and to write this play and to know that i was going to go you know to get to the truth to get to the real truth of certain issues, I knew I would I would be going a minute or two without a laugh. And that was very scary for me. But now that I'm doing it and I see that it doesn't matter because they're not there to see stand-up. They're there to... It's the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Is If the storytelling is compelling and if they're engaged in the story and are moved emotionally i've become so much i've become comfortable with it and it also gives me a chance to stretch my wings as an actress and and i'm loving that i love that i'm just loving that so much and and um because a lot of stand-ups who do one people show one a one person show you know you you have to be there is that line between is this is this really about something with a beginning, a middle, and an end? Does it have an arc, mm-hmm. or is it stand up with furniture? Right. And I did not want it to be stand up with furniture. I wanted it to really be about something. And if it meant, you know, they they go on a ride. This audience, they go on a ride from laughing. One one audience member said, you will laugh until you cry mm. because then you'll stop and cry. Mm-hmm. They become close to my... They be, they tell me afterwards that I, they grow to love my parents throughout yeah. this show, that my father's so funny and my mother's ridiculously funny in her way. And, um, and so there are some very tender moments later on. Well, I, you know, it's it, as again, they age and you as know. it's the age and change. And, you know, it's so, again, talking about where in not that Jewish, there was a place for more, more space for me to find a place to relate to you is being someone who fancies himself a comedian and has, you know, I'm now about to approach an anniversary in which I've lost both of my parents and within six weeks of each other. Oh, dear. But my mother was at the time going through the process of Alzheimer's as well. <sighs> and when you started talking about that first moment when um, they don't remember who you are mm. and how that ultimately just knocks whatever wind out of you. 
Totally. And and I think because the audience has gotten to know her and know how funny and brilliant and witty and sarcastic she was, to see that gone and to see my face trying to reach her and tell her. Because she also always relished in my successes. Mm-hmm. She, she was the one who said, tell me, tell me all about it. Yeah. Even though she was sarcastic about it, you know. Yeah. But but then she would always say, "I'm you know I'm kidding. I what's going on? I want to hear." So when I have this great news that I got my own TV special, she's not. She's not there. She's not there. That's and again, and I and I feel those urges of similarity with you because again, for me at a, a moment in time for me before my mother passed, there was that same. I have something so exciting to share with you, and I can't because. I, I, we can't, and this is really heartbreaking. I know, and and to find a place to laugh and to find, and it's like I think about you know the the one person that I met in my world, uh, Joan Rivers, and she literally said to me three days before my mother passed away, that because we were talking about how uh, the the world of humor is very life saving and life changing, and she said to me, we were saying, she says, you know. If there is just a sliver of laughter in the middle of anything that you're going through that's awful, you'll survive it. Well, do you remember? And the, there's a scene in the show where we're sitting shiva for my mother, mm-hmm. and I said, "Dad, we gotta laugh. We gotta <laughs> laugh." And there, there I was this this funny woman, Gladys, who comes with a brisket. Right, <laughs> Roy. If there is anything I could do, don't hesitate to call. And so we, so my father <laughs> thinks up. Well, actually, I I just sold my car to this lovely Chinese gentleman who doesn't speak English. Could you take him to the DMV and help him transfer the ownership? What? <laughs> She's like, I said you were gonna do anything. And we laughed. That was how we were able to laugh. Yeah. And and uh, and and that's one of the themes of the show too. That uh, Jews are funny even facing the dark stuff. Right. And that you've got to be funny too. And another uh, theme of the show is the idea of passing down. Right. You know, my father, they, they, he was in show business, and they were on the road. And then they had me, and they took me on the road with them. But after I was about two or three, they knew they had to, they couldn't do that anymore. Right. I had to go to school, kindergarten, whatever. And it's like the same decisions you had to make with And the same decision I had to make with Jake. I took my kid with me on the road. We had so much fun. Mm-hmm. I took him to comedy clubs all over the country. But then he, you know, it was time for preschool. And there's a very cute scene in the, in the show where he tells me, mm-hmm. you know, sure, I've enjoyed the hotel life, but <laughs> I have a dream too, you know. <laughs> sure, I'll miss the room service and mini bar, but I, I got to go to preschool. So, uh, but I was very lucky because right. that's when I got the job on Rugrats. Wow. And I became the head writer of Rugrats. So how does, how, what was that transition like for you when you had to say, all right, I'm going to figure out how to stay home and be the mom, mom that my son needs I to be. I had to make money being funny that would work for both of us. Right. And animation was great. It was great. Well, you know, first of all, he was in preschool, and mm-hmm. so I could go to work. Right. And I was home... You know, I mean, I've worked on sitcoms, too. You know, I worked on Roseanne Roseanne. and Mad About You, Mm -hmm. and sitcom hours are very long. And 
of course you love it. You, you're writing on these incredibly funny, cool shows, but not if it meant not seeing my child at night. I couldn't have a nanny drop, you know, leave and then have the nighttime nanny arrive. And mm-hmm. pl- Because mainly I made a promise to the birth mother that, you were gonna that I'm going to be a great mom. Right. And I never forgot that. Because wow. I said to her, I'm going to find him a great dad. She said, just promise me you'll be a great mom. Wow. And How old is your son now? 20, he just turned 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had him when I was uh, 12. 12, yes. So, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing. When you're, you're a single woman and mm-hmm. you're adopting, the way people... You know, when I did it, it was in 1991, and that was highly unusual. You know, there's that that funny line in the show where people ask questions. Mm -hmm. Is she a lesbian? (laughs) Is she selfish? (laughs) Is she a selfish lesbian? You know. (laughs) No, I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to be a mother. Well, you know, I think that that's one of those moments within the show that I found to be very, very real, real. You know, it's just sort of like we were talking earlier about how with this, you know, as a comedian doing this and the challenges that you face doing this as a comic or as a, com- a comedian performer, um, that the one thing that I think that maybe holds it all together and makes it easy to do or easy for you to access as a, a comedic performer is the fact that it's an honest true story it's it's you know, you know at times it's brutally honest but i'll tell you what is hard what's hard if when you're a comic and you're in a club you're aware well i mean as a comic mm-hmm. i'm aware of everything absolutely i am aware of everything that's going on in the room if somebody's talking to someone if someone comes in late mm-hmm. if someone comes because there were people that came in late during your show and i saw your eye move to oh, them. You know, because <laughs> I, it, it is so frustrating because, you know, there, you want to say things. You just want to say The comic in you is the like. The comic in me is God, you know. Because <laughs> if you're Jewish for Hanukkah, maybe I'll get you a watch. But anyway, but no, but, you know, you just want to say stuff. And you can't because it's a play and you really can't break the fourth wall. I mean, I can. Like last night when I said I was marrying a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. (laughs) And this woman went, oi. And I went, oi is right. You know. But that you know, but that's that small <laughs> window that you've allowed yourself within the piece to be able to excuse me to have that kind of exchange because because you don't want to get too pulled out of it. No, you can't. You do, but as a comic, oh it, my God, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. There, but one night, someone's cell phone went off, and okay, <coughs> excuse me. If it rings once or twice, mm-hmm. you know you you assume they're going to turn it off immediately. This person's phone did not stop ringing and people were starting to get visibly annoyed Mm -hmm. and the person didn't answer the phone they didn't do anything they thought they thought maybe if it rings enough they'll hang up i don't know what they were thinking but it's like but if i reach for it then people will know it's me yes but this was exactly at the moment where i realized that my husband, this is that moment in the movie theater where mm-hmm. my my husband says, 
something ridiculous to me that tells me he doesn't know who I am. Right. And I'm trying to explain this to the audience. It's really a tender moment. You know, it was the stupidest ring, too. So I couldn't take it anymore, and I just stopped and said, unless you're waiting on a kidney. <laughs> I I really don't understand. Why your phone is... Why your what you what and even if you wait for the kidney, you can still put it on vibrate. Why is and the audience I said, I'm just so sorry. I, I stopped and I apologized to the audience. I said I said, I am so sorry. But, oh, but sir, know. unless you're waiting on a kidney and uh, and everyone they applauded mm, and the person was embarrassed, but I don't mean to embarrass anybody. But turn off your phone. Seriously. Turn off your freaking phone. Wow. See, you never know when you're going to get that level of Monica Piper realness <laughs> when she is doing Not That Jewish over at New World Stages. Go to notthatjewish.com to find out more about the show, how to get tickets. If you're coming to New York during the holiday season, this is a perfect little a moose bouche of theatrical Absolutely. experience. Absolutely. Give Monica for Hanukkah. All right. Listen <laughs> to that now. Monica for Hanukkah. Hey. Um, and again, again, Monica, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. And I had so much so fun. much more fun conversations to be had. Maybe we'll have another one before the, the end of the week. I'd love That'd to. That'd be great. All right? Yes. And we will be back. Thanks. Bye.